we've been doing a bit of a deep dive, if you will, into whether, whether or not it's natural for us to sin or whether we're accountable for it. That's what Genesis does better than almost anything else, is that nature versus nurture. And today, any opinions before we start? Is it, is it nature or nurture? Both. That's mine too, I agree. Yeah, uh, it's hard to say that all alone. But I want to say, before I get into this commentary, a quote from the commentary says that this, this is a direct quote from one of the commentaries, Abraham and Isaac are exemplary characters in the Bible, but we've had no preparation for the slippery character like Jacob. I disagree. Not to, not to disagree that we haven't had any preparation or that Isaac and, Jake are, and Abraham are exemplary characters. I think there's plenty of ick to go around. And we're going to read the story this morning and then take a dive into that. This is um, one of the more famous stories in this. I'm going to start uh, one, two verses back from chapter 27. This is in 34. At the age of 40, I wanted to make sure we get that in there so that you know that Jacob and Esau, twins, are now 40 years old in the story. These are not teenagers doing this stuff. These are adults. Esau married two Hittite wives, Judith, the daughter of Beeri, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon. But Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. One day, when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called his, for his son Esau, his older son, and said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied, I am now an old man and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat, and then I will pronounce the blessing that, that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. Okay, I, got, I need to pause for a second, just so you know this. This is... There's something deeply wrong in this spot right here. The tradition does say that when a person is about to die, they call all of their descendants together and perform a blessing. Now, why would you do everybody together all at once? All heard it, no confusions, none of those things. You won't say, well, he said this to this one and this one to that one. No, we're all there. We all get to witness it. But but Esau doesn't know the day of his dying, and he wants to do this thing. And so he says, I will pronounce the blessing, the Barakah, for you, my Bekorah. Okay? Now, those sound very similar to you. And what they do is they take the middle two consonants and flip them. But one means you're the firstborn, and one means you get the blessing because you're the one. Now, if you remember this, just, just a little bit ago, Esau was out hunting, and some red stew was made, and Esau came in, and he was really hungry, and he said to his brother, if I don't eat right now, I'm going to die. And, and Jacob says to Esau, well, trade me 
your firstbornness, your bekorah, and I'll give you this red stew. And he did it. And then it says in the text, for he spurned his birthright. Okay, just getting back into this thing. Rebecca overheard what was said to his son, Esau, what he had said to his son. Now notice this thing. Now Esau is both of their sons. You ever said this? Well, your daughter does that. Your son does. No, this is our son, our daughter. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son, Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal, and then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now listen, my son. Listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go to the flocks and bring me two fine goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish, which, by the way, is red stew. Now, we've played this little game with, with words before that red is Adom, Adomi, and, and Esau is Adomah, and he's going to be Edom. So all those sounds, sentence, all those things, Rebecca, Barakah, Bekorah, all these sounds all start to happen. It's all on purpose, just to make sure you understand that these are all related terms. I'll then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. This is completely lost in translation. I need you to know this, okay? So um, I kind of did this on that day. So say with me the word set ear, set ear, say that. Set ear. Set ear. He's hairy. Okay? Set ear. Say saw ear. Do you hear the difference? Not really? That means he goat or a pelt. Like, he's rough. The land that Edom is going to land. Now, are you ready for this? Seir. Seir. The land is the rough country that Esau is going to run that's going to be called Edom and all of this stuff. These are all these words. My brother is Seir, but I am Halach. Now, you don't know what Halach means. It says smooth man here. That is not the sense of that word throughout the Bible. The lips of an adulterer are smooth and drip ruin. That's that word. My brother is rough and tumble, but I'm a used car salesman. <laughs> That's, I'm trickery. I'm smooth. I'm a slippery fellow. See, he'll see that I'm trying to trick him if he touches me, and then he'll curse me instead of a blessing. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you to do. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob did. He went out and got the goats 
for his mother, Rebecca, and took them and prepared a delicious red meal, Admoni, the red stew, just the way Isaac liked it. And then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and she gave them to her younger son, Jacob, and she covered his arms with the smooth part and the neck with the young goat's fur, with the skin of a young goat, right? Say here. She took her slippery, slippery character son and made him sa'ir, rough like a goat. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. And so Jacob took the food to his father. My father, yes, my son. Isaac answered, who are you, Esau or Jacob? This is going to be a repeating theme in the life of Jacob of, of identity in the dark. And this is just the first time this identity thing is confused in the dark. This time it's Esau's blind. Later, he's going to wrestle with a fellow in the dark and he's not gonna know who it is. And when he gets married, he's going to go in in the dark and get a wife he didn't want. I'm not kidding. Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path. Then Isaac said to Jacob, and I want to say, come closer, my son, so I can touch you and make sure that you're really Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father, and Isaac touched him, and the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands just felt fair, hairy, just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son, Esau? Yes, I am. Then Isaac said, now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, then I will bless give you my blessing. And so Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it. And he also drank the wine that Jacob served him. And Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he finally was convinced and he blessed his son. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, the year, which the Lord has blessed. I need to stop for a second and just say, there is enough ick to go around here. We were talking about this in the middle school group. Who's at fault? When this goes wrong, who do we have to blame? Rebecca. Why Rebecca? She thought she was in charge and she could make things happen. And in fact, when she commands Jacob, she thought she was in charge and she could make things happen. When she commands Jacob to do this thing, the strength of the word command is only found in another woman's mouth, in Esther, the queen's mouth. That's how strong the command is. Do it. Okay, Esther's, Esther's at fault because she was listening at doorways and making plans. Could she have headed it off at the past by going in and saying, don't do this, right, don't do this? bring everybody together and do the blessing. Could she have done that? 
Could Isaac still have given the complete blessing he wanted to give to Esau in that setting when Jacob and Esau were there? Yeah, he could say whatever he wants. That's his role as head of the household in that culture, that he could have done that without any subterfuge and just done it. And then everybody would have known what the role was. Yeah? Okay, any other thoughts? I think Isaac cooked the whole thing up. I think Isaac was trying to make sure that, that he didn't get cheated out again, that his, that his favorite son, his, him playing favorites, didn't get cheated out, and he didn't give it away because his son was a bit of a fool and would trade it for a, a bowl of stew. A bit of a fool. Esau. Esau could have said, are you ready for this? No, father, don't do this just me. Do this so that, by the way, when Jacob tries to trick me later and he'll do that, I, nobody will fool it, fall for it because we'll have done it publicly. Jacob could have said, let's not do this or let's wait for the... Look, everybody's got a piece of this puzzle. Yeah? Are you with me on that? There's enough ick to go around. Have you ever walked into a family situation in your own family and, and it sort of slops inside your boots? <laughs> How do we as Christians live in a world where this stuff is going on? I just need to say like three really important things and then I'll I'll read the rest of the story. So let, let me read the rest of the story. I'm not going to read the blessing at this point. The blessing, by the way, is a repeat of blessings that Abraham and Isaac have had. And don't get caught off guard and say, well, he really meant to give a spiritual blessing to Isaac and a material blessing to Esau. Um, the blessing of the land and the promise is really material. It's really about the land. Right, that you can't really get more material than the land you're standing on. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. By the way, the Lord did put it in his path, and he did catch up pretty quick, but you have to leave the area sometimes. Jacob had left his father. Esau returned from his son. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. And then he said, sit up, my father, and eat the wild game so you can give me my barakah. But Isaac said, who are you? It's your son, your barakah, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it. I have blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. Do you realize words mean things when they come out of your mouth? We're, we're, we're doing this in the, in the middle school group. If you start having thoughts, isn't that right? Where you start having thoughts pretty soon, what are they going to do? If you entertain them long enough, you're going to speak them. And if you speak them and get comfortable speaking them for long enough, pretty soon you're going to say them in a spot that shouldn't be said. This is this thing. Words mean things. Your brother tricked me. But when, oh, let's see, let's go back. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry, or in the Hebrew, he cried a great cry. 
Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac, your brother was here and he tricked me and he has taken away your blessing. No wonder his name is Jacob. Now here becomes the beginning of the play of the words on Jacob. We've done Esau, right? We've done Esau, Sahir, Sahir, Edom, Adamah. Yaakov is based on the noun I cave from heel because he was born grabbing, but also Yaakov to grasp. I cave, Yaakov, Yaakov. You hear this? His name means he's a grasper. But what happens when we get to this Yaakov, this grasper, and what happens to him? You might say, but he got away with it. Did he? Look, so I need to tell you that, that out of this, the very next section is, is that Rebecca engineers Jacob's escape because his wife is on the line. His brother Esau is not only a really good hunter, he's also mad and sort of murderous. And do and you know how you get away with that? You leave. And that is the end of Rebecca's entry into her own story. She has engineered an argument between her two kids that will leave one of them dead or gone. And Isaac, this is really the exit of Isaac's um, part in the story where he engineers some of the same stuff. I wanted to play favorites. I ended up picking one. That's the one I'm going to get. But aren't all our kids valuable? Here's my three statements about this. Okay, are you ready? Remember, this is a repeat. You've heard this before. No place is so great, so perfect, that it no longer needs to hear God's voice. Even the first family of faith in the Bible is not so great that it doesn't need God speaking into their lives. No place so evil, so wrong, that God no longer wants to speak into it. Your life hasn't gone so awry that he's done with you. But it's slopped inside your boots. My socks are all squishy. Ew. Yeah, God still wants to speak into your life. Here's the second thing. The justice of God requires patience, time, mercy, and understanding. I need to say that again just so you hear that. The justice of God requires patience, time, mercy, and understanding. Why is that? Because a person, every person, any person, is more than their current offense. Ever thought about that one? I know this is my example. They're driving nutty on the highway. Where's the cop when you need them? Where was the cop when you were driving nutty? <laughs> Mercy and patience and kindness. You're more than your most recent offense. So's Jacob and so are Esau. So is Isaac and so is Rebecca. But justice is patient because the story hasn't been fully told yet. 
So I've been having a conversation with somebody with uh, about the book of Revelation and the people under the altar saying, how long, O oh Lord? How long will you let this injustice rule on earth? How long? And just a little longer until everybody comes in. The justice of God is patient and merciful and it doesn't leave anybody out. No one, not one of us are finished products and mercy and justice require patience. Number three, being in the line of Messiah requires adjustment. Okay, Abraham required adjustment. Isaac requires adjustment. Jacob is going to need some adjustment. And we're just starting into, right? Now we know who Jacob is. The first time we met him, he says, but so far, I'm an unblamed person. Now we've got some blame. Now we know who it is. Now we know how big the adjustment is going to be. And the story is going to start going into what the adjustment's going to be. How big of an adjustment do you or I or each of us need? See, I always think that I need a minor adjustment. <laughs> and other people need major adjustments. But the justice of God is merciful and patient and kind. Right? And in other words, I should be praying for minor adjustments to others and major adjustments to me. or whatever God has for them. The Bible doesn't hide or excuse or justify human behavior. I need to tell you that again. If you're looking to the Bible to, to justify your current bad decision, it's not going to help you. It might give you examples of people that have made just as bad a decision and the price that they paid. Right? You don't get to go to the Bible and say, but Samson did it. No, no. You don't get to go to the Bible and say, but Isaac, he's my hero. I get to do everything Isaac. No. The Bible doesn't justify human behavior. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't hide over it. It doesn't plaster over it. It doesn't do any of those things. The whole point of the Bible here is that it justifies God as he enters in to the place that we want plastered over and hidden and justifies his fixing of the situation. Does that mean that Jacob is not a, not a biblical hero? No, Jacob does lots of stuff after he's adjusted. And matter of fact, if I just skip ahead in the story to the spot where he's dying, do you know what he does? He calls all his descendants together and does it publicly. We're not doing that again. We know that price. Because he's 40 when he goes into exile, or as Deuteronomy says, a wandering Aramean given up for dead. And 87 when he comes out of exile. <coughs> That's time away. There's a price to be paid for this. So what do we say? It justifies God. He redeems human out of the muck and the mire. 
And because of that, I'm going to read a psalm. And then we're going to be done. This is Psalm 40. <laughs> I have waited patiently for the Lord to help me. Have I really? Probably not. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and will be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or, or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. Do you hear that adjustment? Now that you've made me listen, I understand. Some people call that the two-by-four of faith. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come as the writs written about me in the scriptures. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I have told you, told all your people about your justice, and I have not been afraid to speak out, as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden from my heart, I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love, Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles surround me, too many to count. They get inside my boots. My sins pile up so high I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. And, and Hairs and heads with lots of hair on them, too. I have lost all courage. Lord, help. Rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. By the way, that's, that's just an unregenerate heart still calling for justice quick. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in grace. Let them be horrified by their shame. And they said, aha, we've got him now but may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, the Lord is great. Can you say that with me? The Lord is great. Okay, now with feeling. The Lord is great. Thank you. And as for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior Oh my God, do not delay. This is the condition of humanity in a story and in a song. Help. The Lord is great. Dear Jesus, when we've got muck inside our boots and we're having trouble with our squishy socks, there's holes in our hip waders. Help us remember not to seek justification in our own actions, but to seek you out and give praise to your name.
for it is great. We love you, Lord. Amen.